that's great. You guys sound great today. It's amazing to uh, to be together here. It's actually not that hot yet, you know. Uh, in case you were wondering, uh, we're we're blessed. You got to count all your blessings here, especially in the summer. Uh, I'm happy to report that Bev is actually home from the hospital. So uh, some of you were were worried. She's probably watching us right now. Hi, Bev. Um, but uh, welcome back, teens. Good to have you guys back. Uh, I like to say that I missed you too much, but Danielle and I enjoyed an empty house this week. <laughs> everything was where it was supposed to be. Kitchen was clean. Everything was good. Quiet. Man, we, we enjoyed it. Uh, when is teen camp happening again? No, not till next year. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, we're happy to uh, have them back as well, but it's good to, it's good to enjoy each other too, right? Uh, I'm excited to, uh, continue our grace study here, and I feel like every week I need to re-remind myself what grace is all about. Right. You know, we're at a, this is our second to last week, and I still feel like I haven't gotten it yet. So every week I, try, I remind myself, and I'll remind you, that we live in a society with no grace. You get what you deserve. You just look on the news and you see that. You get what you deserve. You do a crime, you do the time. You know, you look at, look at society in, in every, every aspect, politics, life, you know, crime, murder, starvation, pollution, divorce, a hurting world. Just look at your Yahoo headlines, not right now. And you'll just see a world of ungrace or a world of no grace. God has come to give us grace. And it's good to be reminded that we, none of us are deserving of God's forgiveness. That none of us deserve to go without Jesus. It's His perfection, not our performance, that helps us to get to heaven. So at the end of the day, God's going to say, Jesus is perfect, and so you're in. Not that you did this or you did that. In fact, God loves us the same on our worst day as he does on our best day. I still haven't figured that out yet because on my worst day, I feel like it's my worst day. And on my best day, I feel pretty good about life, that I did some good stuff. But we need to remind ourselves daily that God loves us the same. Last week, we talked about grace and repentance. And the idea that God can forgive so much, so some people just blow that off and just live however they want because God's going to forgive us anyways. Maybe we've come out of a a religious background like that where grace is all covering, you know, I can do anything I want. I don't even have to try to change. God doesn't care, but he also forgives me. And then we introduced the idea of a relationship. You know, I talked about Danielle and I and our marriage and what if I just took one day off a month from being married? Would that be okay? No, because when you think about it in terms of a relationship, it's disturbing to do that. Yeah. To, to look at God's grace and go, oh, I'm going to go do whatever. That's called grace abuse. You know, we talked about grace avoidance. That if, you, if you're not willing to be humble and admit sin, then you won't be forgiven. That there's got to be some level of openness, of honesty, of need. Just say, you know what? I need to be forgiven. If we can't say that, then we won't be. 
And it's not because of God, it's because of us. He's holding it out and we're saying, no thanks, I'm good. Been there. And then we talked about grace and repentance. That repentance is what it looks like to come back to God. So as we contemplate his love and his goodness and we're motivated by him, that he's even given us a chance that as we come back to him, that's what repentance looks like. So even when we repent, it's not about us, it's about God. He's given us his love. He's given us this chance. He's given us the ability to come back to him. So even in repentance, we can't give ourselves a pat on the back and feel like, Aren't I so great that I stop this or I don't do that anymore? It's still about Jesus. And we're going to take that even further today when we talk about. So is that good just to be reminded? That we're saved. The only way we're going to get into heaven is because Jesus is perfect. That's it. Even if you're having a horrible day, God loves you the same. That's good to be reminded. I need to remind myself every single day because I am so much about no grace in my own mind, in my own heart, in my own world, in this world that we're a part of. We need, that's why we need to focus on this. I, I wish we could do it a little bit longer. But grace and forgiveness, uh, this is what we desire. And honestly, this is one of the most challenging sermons that I've ever done. I'm just telling you that in advance. This is one of the most challenging, heart-wrenching, difficult, stressful sermons that I've ever done. And today we're not talking much, even though we got to get grace from God to be able to give grace. Right? If you don't get grace from God, then how are you going to give it out? We're, We're just like, it just flows through us. So if we don't get it, it's hard to give. But we're not really going to talk much about that today. We're going to talk about forgiving others. And maybe even forgiving ourselves. And that's going to, that we, the goal is so that we can be a people of forgiveness. That that can be who we are in our heart and in our soul. Let's say a prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the love that you have for us, God. Thank you for reminding us in your word over and over and over how much you care about us. How much you, you, you died for us, how much you sacrificed for us, how much you, you want us to be holy and blameless and pure and righteous and all those things that we may not feel on our own, but because of Jesus and his perfection, we get to own. God, I pray that you be with the rest of this time together as we open up your word, that you will uh, help us to be people that forgive and accept forgiveness from you. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we talked about a world of ungrace, this is views into the caste system in India in a town called Koraput, where there's child labor abuse and they use children to make bricks. It's so unfair, it's so unrighteous, it's so disturbing. Then imagine if your kid was 12 years old and they made him work 12 hours a day making bricks. No, you can't go to school you have to make bricks all day. You would just, it would just make me want to just crush people. Right? That would be so disturbing if that was my daughter, if that was my son. You know, and yet, in so many ways, we can not, not, we, we live in that world, but we carry around bricks with us, too. 
as disturbing as that is. When people sin against you and you don't forgive them, it's like putting a brick on your head. And then somebody else sins against you and you haven't gotten rid of the first one, you haven't forgiven them yet, so then you put another one on top of that. And then, then you go another time. And Anybody have anybody forgive, uh, sin against you this week? Anybody sin against you this week? Yeah. How many people have multiple people sin against you this week? How many people have more than five people sin against you this week? I mean, in your household, in your driving, in your friendships, at camp. I mean, I'm sure there was just... Multiple people. And so a lot of us, we're walking around and we have so many bricks on our head that we don't realize that we have this huge burden on our head right now. And then somebody comes in and they mentioned somebody who gave me one of these bricks. And then we relive it again because we're still carrying it. And then it kind of goes away and then we feel better and we're unaware. And then someone mentions this person's name. And then we relive that again. And you ever talk to people that tell you what happened? You're like, how long ago was this? When was this? Was this this week? No, this was like five years ago. <laughs> and it seems like it happened yesterday because they're carrying around so many bricks and they're so unwilling to forgive that it feels so fresh that it just happened yesterday. And that's not how some of us live. That's how all of us live. I'll put before you, there is not one person in this room that has no bricks on their head right now. Unless you're Jesus, and you've perfectly forgiven everyone that's ever sinned against you. That's where we're headed with this sermon, okay? You can see where I'm going here. We're going to take some bricks off of our head. Praise the Lord for that. So this sermon's a little bit different. I'm not going to go through all the points. I'm going to go through... The scriptures first, because forgiveness begins and ends with Jesus. So we're going to look at this. Look at what Jesus said about forgiveness. He says, you have heard that it was said to people long ago. You shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That's a real nice way of saying it, isn't it? You know, everyone there knew what he was talking about. Go, Okay, yeah, they're subject to judgment. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, what that means in English is say you came and for some reason you killed Connor. Okay, hope you don't do that. I'd be really disappointing. I'd be really sad. So you killed Connor. And so what would happen is we would put you in the middle and Danielle and I would be the first ones and we would throw a stone at you. And then after we did that, then everyone else in the room would throw stones on top of you until you were dead. That's what judgment was. So if you murdered someone, that would be what would happen. And so Jesus says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And so he's saying, if you're angry with someone, then we're going to put you in the middle of the room. We're all going to do that to you. That got everyone's attention. And he said, not only that, that you're going to be in danger of the fire of hell, too. So not only are you going to get crushed, you're going to get destroyed for all time. That is not a good thought. But not just with what they did, but with what they thought. You could say because they didn't take the brick off of their head. That's, that's what Jesus was talking about. Because of their anger in their heart. That's what Jesus was talking about. 
And so he got their attention as I hope he got yours today. And then he goes on. Same, same uh, Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So Jesus teaching that reconciliation is more important than all of your religious duties. So you can come to church for your entire life, but if you don't get reconciled with people, it doesn't do anything. You can read your Bible every single day and never miss your quiet time, but if you don't enjoy a reconciled relationship with people, then it doesn't matter. So what does that mean? Okay, we're going to be taking communion later today. And so Jesus wants us to think about our relationships. Are we connected? Are, are we reconciled to people? And what does this not mean? Okay, because I don't know how you are, but I like to, you know, you, you kind of think about it for a while and you go, okay, if I never take communion, if any single person in this room has anything against me, that means that I will never take communion for my entire life. Right. Right? I'm sure that I've sinned against someone in here. And imagine Jesus. I mean, there were tons of people that hated him, so he would never take communion because everyone had issues. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you need to care more about your relationships and about forgiveness than you care about your religious duties. And you care about your offerings that make you feel better. We need to think more about what, is, what makes God feel better. What does he want from me, not just what do I need to do to get to heaven? Sounds like grace to me. He continues on. Matthew 5, 43. You guys are still here, right? We're, we're still going. We've got a long way to go, so don't get too quiet yet here, okay? You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son, uh, his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And many, we've heard this before. Jesus' radical teaching, the only teacher that ever said this, love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Why? So that you can be children of God. That's our goal, to be like God, to, to extend the same grace that he gives to us, to other people. And do they deserve it? No. Do we deserve it? No. But he still gives it anyway. Yeah. Then some of you have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a famous minister in Germany in World War II. He said, through the medium of prayer, we go to our enemy, stand by his side, and plead to God for him. So if you can picture someone that sinned against you, that means you're going up to them in your prayer and you're putting your arms around them and you say, God, forgive them. Help them out. Help them to be different. Help them to love you. Help them to change. Help, you know, he didn't know what he was doing. And if you can imagine it in Bonhoeffer's time that he was doing that for Hitler. God, I pray for him. I pray that he'll change. I pray that you can forgive him. I know he doesn't know what he's doing. That's what he's talking about. That's the calling for us to pray for those who have put those bricks on top of our heads. 
Jesus is still going. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, who, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So not only are we supposed to love our enemies, pray for our enemies, but now he's saying that we need to be perfect. Do you see that? We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. The only way we're going to be perfect is through the grace of Jesus. There's no way we could do this. But we got to try. And we got to forgive and we got to pray for our enemies. And we need to be like Christ. Sending the rain, sending the sun, sending the blessings in the hope that they would change. Jesus later on, he uses the story in Matthew 18, after a familiar passage that we all know about resolving conflicts and everything, he uses the story of the unmerciful servant in resolving conflicts with each other. And it's right after Peter asked Jesus, Jesus, are we supposed to forgive people seven times? You know this story? He says, not seven, but 70 times. I don't know about you. I I do the math, right? How many is that? 490 times. That's a lot of times. And what I would say to you is you can even forgive someone 490 times for the same thing. You have one brick on your head and you're reminded of that. Every time you see that person or every time someone mentions their name or every time you have a certain emotion or you go to a certain movie or you you smell a certain smell and you have to forgive that person again and again and again and again for the same thing. So you have to forgive them 490 times for one thing. Say they sin again. And so then you have to forgive them for that. And you, got, you still remember the first one, so you've got to remember forgive them for that too. And then say they do it another time. And another time, and you start to see, man, this is hard work. That's a lot of forgiveness. Hard to walk around up here too. But Jesus uses the story and says there's a guy who came to Jesus, couldn't pay back his debt, said he'll pay him back, give me time, please, 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 and Jesus forgave him. He was, he owed the equivalent of 200 years wages for a day laborer. You know, so you could do the math, right? Make minimum wage, 80 bucks a day times 200 years. I mean, somebody can figure that out. Not right now. Don't use your calculators. But that's a lot of money. And the person that owed him money was only 100 days wages. So the big debt was 730 times bigger than the little one. Like, the guy's debt's this big and his debt is above the roof and he won't let it go. He's that intent. You owe me no grace for you. And it says that he gets thrown in jail and has to pay it back every single cent. He said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you 
unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Those last three words are the hardest, aren't they? From the heart. Not just say it, but actually from the heart. That's the difficult part. Jesus wasn't messing around. I came across a story of this, the mayor of Berlin named Willy Brandt. And I was reading a book that used a lot of old stories. But in a way, I picked these because I want... I don't want to use current things that would get us off track. I want you to think about your own life. Who are the people that I need to forgive? Who are the people that I have, I'm resentful for, that I'm holding grudges against? He, he was the mayor of Berlin in 1970. He was visiting the Warsaw Ghetto Memorial, honoring the many Jews that died in World War II. As he walked up there, he went down to his knees in this picture. And people asked him about it. He said, I simply did what people do when words fail. And he just broke down. You know, a little confession here. If, if somebody did that today, I would think, you know, is he really sorry? I mean, there's a lot of people taking pictures and this is very good publicity and everything. And am I, the, I'm, I must be the only one, right? Well, I know you apologized, but did you really apologize? Did you really mean it? I know that per, they said they apologized, but I know them. They, they didn't mean it. No, they didn't mean it. Grace or not? Here's a guy, he said he was broken down to his knees. There was another story in World War II of some Polish and West German Christians ten years after the war. The Christian from West Germany said, hey, let's meet together, our group, let's get our groups together and we'll reconcile. This is ten years later, we've got to move on. And there was just silence. And his response was that every stone in Warsaw is bathed in Polish blood. I refuse. It's unforgivable what happened. There's nothing that can make me forgive you. And it says that they closed out with the Lord's Prayer. And they got to the part where it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And that same person stood up and said, I must say yes. I cannot call myself a Christian if I refuse to forgive. Humanly speaking, I cannot do it. But God will give us the strength. And 18 months later, they met and they reconciled. Humanly speaking, we can't truly forgive. Jesus says the same. If you do not forgive others your, their sins, my Father will not forgive your sins. 
above the roof or on the floor. Every single one of us, if we're in touch, we, re- we would think that our, my sin's more than yours. That of all that God has done for me, who am I to hold back forgiveness for you for that? And yet it's not that easy to do. Forgiveness is to release, hurl away, or free yourself. That God takes away our sin, that we're released, that he throws it away, that we're, we have this weight off of us. All those bricks are gone. That's forgiveness. And resentment is to feel it again. Forgiveness is unwise, unhealthy, impractical, but absolutely necessary for our sake and for the sake of the other party. And impossible to get to heaven without it. But it's so difficult. That was the Bible part. Forgiveness is an act of faith. There's nothing that demonstrates your faith more than when you forgive and you give forgiveness to someone else. That you trust God's justice in Romans 12. It says to leave room for God's wrath. That he's going to deal with it. I don't have to. And it says overcome evil with good. That to forgive, I need to have the faith that I don't have to get even and life doesn't have to be fair. I don't have to make it right. God will. And we realize that God's way of doing things is not mine. This is not the what I want to do. This is what God wants me to do and maybe he's way nicer to that other person than you want him to be. But he knows what he's doing. We looked at that last week. My kindness is meant that they'll be led to repentance. There's not a better story than Genesis 42 to 45 about Joseph and his brothers. It's beautiful. At the end, he's just weeping. He said, how could I not love you? To his brothers who threw him away. He said, you meant it for bad, but God... You didn't know what you were doing. That God used it. Forgiveness is an act of faith. Forgiveness is also an act of grace. That forgiveness, God is the one that removes sin. God's the only one that removes sin. If it wasn't for God, there is no forgiveness. But it's his grace that can remove barrier of sin, barriers of sin. That God surrenders his right to get even. That he's the one that has the right to get even. And he bears that sin on the cross. So not only does he give up his right to get even, but he takes responsibility for us. You know, you didn't know what you were doing. I'll take that. I know you deserve to die, but I'll take that too. 
And then God changes his image of us back to his divine image created in his likeness. That we are justified, that we become his adopted children. And if we could look spiritually, we could see God doing this all the time. Second after second. Removing the barrier of sin. Giving up his right to get even. Taking our sins on the cross and changing us back into his image of his son or his daughter. And so he does it so fast that it's like a continual stream of his that we're his sons and daughters. Go back and think about that a little bit. That God, forgiveness is the most amazing thing that we live in every second of every day. I translate it into English for myself. Even though I blew it, God is still good. Even though I totally messed up, God still loves me. Even though I feel terrible, he loves me just as much as even before I did that. And even though I feel guilty, he's still going to take me to heaven. You know, with myself, I am really good at this. Right? Praying to God and, you know, knowing that God loves me and feeling like, okay, now God's forgiven me and, you know, I'm his son again and I'm holy and I'm blameless and, you know, you feel that way. You're praying to God and you just feel like, oh, I'm just connecting and, man, we're just having this best time right here and, you know, a lot of that's emotion because he's probably forgiven us already. <laughs> but, you know, we're really good at that and we see our, you know, we want to try again and I'm, I'm redoubling my efforts and all whatever those things that we do. That's, that's, maybe that's not easy. For some of us, that's not easy. Like, we have a hard time believing that. That even though I blew it, God still is good. He still loves me. I'm still holy. I'm still his daughter. I'm still his son. I mean, for some of us, you've got to start there. If you can't give grace to yourself, then there's no way you're going to give it to your spouse or your kids or your friends or your boss. But that's the easy part. Seeing our own intentions and being merciful to ourselves and loving ourselves. I don't know about you, but that's easy compared to the other way. Even though you blew it, God still loves you. And God still forgives you. And God still is taking you to heaven. And you're still his sons and daughters. That's the hard part. That he still feels all those things for the person that sinned against you. Yeah, that's, true. that's a whole different world. I don't have an easy time with that. Because we don't know all the details. We don't know what happened. We can feel like, oh, well, they didn't even confess. They didn't even apologize. You know, when they did apologize, they probably only gave me half the truth anyway. You know, that I, I kind of know how people are, that they just, they, just, they don't give everything. That they, they, there's got to be more to this story, and we kind of want to have all the answers. We want them to kind of grovel for a while. 
and then tell us how awesome and amazing and forgiving we are, and then we want to forgive. Don't we? That's what I want to do. Man, it's so easy. If you're groveling on your knees, just rolling, coming up here, oh, I forgive you, man. It's all good. <laughs> but most of the time, people don't do that. But God still feels the same about them, even when they don't do that. Just like we feel when we're praying ourselves, that's how he feels. That blew my mind. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. This is something that we do over and over and over and over again. Like I said before, even for the same offenses that keep coming up in our mind over and over and then new things happen. And I appreciate this book I was reading. He described how difficult it is to forgive. How unnatural it is. How painful it is. How even when we forgive, we still don't feel better. And I I found myself relating like, yes, this is hard. But it's a lifestyle. And I realized for me that I, I can go a few different directions. I can just say, well, just let me not think about it. Just, just forget about it. You know, that's what we did before, right? We drown it out with alcohol or we just escape or we, you know, working out or whatever. We just don't think about it. But that's a cop out. You can't deny that something happened. It either happened or it didn't happen. Whether we close our eyes doesn't make it go away. You know, I can think about each sin as a crime, right? And I can investigate each sin. And I can ask questions and I can cross-examine and I can analyze and make sure that the story makes sense and go through all the details for every sin that happens against me. And that's just overwhelming. Imagine living a... That's not a lifestyle of forgiveness. That's a lifestyle of of an investigator, a CS, spiritual CSI agent. Or I could just let it go, just let it go. Unfathomable. But that's what we got to do. That's what it is. That's what it, that's what it is. It's, we're letting it go to God. Yeah. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have the proper confession with ourselves and with others. Forgiveness is love practiced among people who love poorly. What does that mean? We're terrible at this. I'm terrible at this. Not just saying the words, but the, everything that goes along with it. God is unconditional, and we are not. I just found a couple examples, a couple more. Martin Luther King, forgiveness is not an occasional act, it's a constant attitude. That's where I got my point from. (laughs) It's a lifestyle. From the Birmingham jail, it says that he fasted for days not out of protest but to be able to forgive 
the people who were outside shouting obscenities. What? He was fat. He wasn't on a hunger strike. He was fasting to be able to forgive because it was so difficult. Incredible. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. Let's not be Christians that drink from the cup of bitterness. That relive acts over and over and over. That accept all that burden and don't give it to God. And yet, as I, we need a lot of grace. That's why it's called grace and forgiveness. Because we all don't do this real good. Not because we're bad, because we're human. A last story. A guy named Gordon Wilson here on the right. He was an unassuming draper from Northern Ireland and moved to Ireland. They were at this in the wrong place at the wrong time and a bomb went off. And actually the bomb was supposed to go off 13 minutes later because it was meant for the police and all the dignitaries who were going to be at this special uh, rally. But it went off early and killed 11 civilians. And one of them was his 20-year-old daughter. He tells the story that they were stuck under five feet of rubble holding hands. And he would ask her, her name was Marie. How are you doing, Marie? I'm okay. I'm good. You know, then they'd, they'd keep holding hands and a few minutes later he'd ask her again, how are you doing, Marie? We're, I'm good. He did this four times. She's apparently great. The fifth time he asked her, she stopped. She didn't say anything. And then a few minutes later, they got rescued. And he's like, oh, my daughter's right there. She's good. And they're like, no, I'm sorry. She passed. That wasn't what made him special. As sad as that is, that happens all the time. What made Gordon Wilson famous and special was that he was in the hospital bed that night saying, I lost my daughter, but I bear no grudge. Bitter talk is not going to bring her back to life. I shall pray tonight and every night that God will forgive them because love is the bottom line. What? I read that and I just said, what? That's forgiveness. That probably would not have been me, just to be quite honest. He became a hero because of his words and his heart that he kept his whole life. He became a part of the parliament with that message. What an amazing example for us. And we have a trouble forgiving a whole lot less Forgiveness and grace go together. Forgiveness is an act of faith 
It's an act of grace and it's a lifestyle that begins and ends with Jesus. In Matthew 26, as we take our communion, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said to them again, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew in your Father's kingdom. And the next day, he continued that sentiment in, Matt, in Luke 23. He said, when he's hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up their clo- his clothes by casting lots. It wasn't that they didn't know what they were doing because they knew what they were doing. They were casting lots for his clothes. They knew exactly what they were doing. They hung a man on a cross. But they didn't really know what they were doing. Jesus sets that example that even when we sin, I still love you. Even now, I still love you just the same. On this, I can be sure that was their worst day. He loved them the same that day that he did on their best day. Just like he did for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. God, thank you for the forgiveness that we can hardly even fathom. God, it's hard to give. It's hard to accept. I pray that we can feel and connect with your love and, and not hold, it, hold uh, that against ourselves or anyone else. I pray that even now as we take communion that we can be committed to being a people that are a people of forgiveness like your son was and is. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.